The following talk was recorded at Label the Planet 2021 Empowering Users, the annual conference on current issues in ethics, social justice and technology from the Free Software Foundation. Label the Planet is a live conference and speakers often use slides and other visual tools to assist their presentation. You can see the videos of these talks at media.libreplanet.org or on the FSF Peertube channel. Label Planet speakers do not represent the mission of the Free Software Foundation. We host speakers talking about their use of free software in different kinds of political and commercial work. The FSF supports their freedom, but does not take positions on any political issues other than those necessary to uphold the principles of free software. Like all the FSF's work on behalf of the grievance of all computer users, Nemo Planet is made possible by thousands of individuals. To keep our work going, please consider becoming an associate member via my.fsf.org join or making a donation at my.fsf.org donate. You can stay informed by subscribing to our newsletter, The Free Software Supporter, at fsf.org fss and for more information on LibrePlanet, you can visit libreplanet.org conference. So, hello everyone. Uh, I am Vimos, uh, the room monitor of this uh, presentation. You can find me in the IRC channel as Benderstead. Uh, this talk is titled Usable Security for End Users, How Tor Improves Usability Without Compromising User Privacy. And we'll present it by Anto Della De Biasi, the leader of user experience and design team at the Tor project. Antonella is a lead product designer who practices ethical user research and free human-centered participatory design. She's interested in the critical internet infrastructure, feminism as an intersectional practice, free software communities, privacy, and Russian avant-garde art. Prior to entering the non-profit world, she designed products for live betting, fintech, e-commerce, and AR VR labs. The Tor network is an essential private internet privacy tool which utilizes multi-layered onion routing to conceal the user's identity and location. People specifically use Tor in order to hide, which makes it challenging to determine their needs and tailor Tor tools to optimize usability. However, every software project benefits tremendously from user feedback. So in this talk, Antonella will explain how the Tor team gathered usability feedback without compromising the privacy of the people who depend on their global network. Hi. User research, it's critical for a tool like Tor. We should improve our tools to increase and diversify our use base. Anonymity networks work by hiding users among users. Any dropper may be able to tell that you, me, and they, we are all using the same network, but shouldn't tell which of um, us is talking with her. This property is called anonymity set. The total set of people who, so far as the attacker can tell, may be the ones engaging in some activity of interest. The larger the set, the more anonymous the participants. So, when more users join the network, existing users become more and more secure, even if the new users never talk with existing ones. That is why anonymity loves company. But who are the users in the need of an anonymous network, and who are the users? 
My name is Antonella. I'm leading the user experience efforts at the Tor project. I'm a designer, um, sign side showing the project. We launch improvements in Tor browsers every release. We launched the first Tor browser for Android, and also we put live the new Tor project at our website. The industry relies heavily on data gathered from invasive tracking scripts to understand the user's behavior better. Um, Furt and foiling what Zuboff called surveillance economy. The classic data collection idea includes customization and personalization, and for sure, product improvements. The data extraction imperative is one of the foundational mechanisms of the surveillance economy. During the discussion of the first IATF uh, draft that talked about prioritizing users, Tantex Selig asked how, how does the system treat those who, who are the most vulnerable? And I asked how we people have it the internet and what does it mean to be online and terrible? Third software is private by design, uh, by design we don't track users. Therefore, we aim to conduct research that respects the basic principles of privacy and consent to keep aligned design, research, and development cycles. Developers have been putting a lot of effort on shipping usable secure interfaces, passwords, captive portals, levels of access. On its side, the academia has been interested uh, on researching what is the problem with these interfaces, because Shani still cannot encrypt. Why Shani can't script uh, authors help to define usable security? They say the following, um, security software is usable if the people who are expected to use it are reliably made aware of the security tasks they need to perform, they um, should be able to figure out how to successfully perform these tasks, um, they don't make dangerous errors, and they are sufficiently comfortable with the interface to continue using it. I wanted to find a common pattern between these requirements and some basic usability heuristics, and I think I found them. Nielsen's heuristics are 10 general principles for interaction design. Um, they are called heuristics because they are broad rules of Zoom and not specific usability guidelines. So let's extrapolate them. Um, security software is usable if the people who is uh, expected to use it uh, are reliably made aware of the security tasks they need to perform. I think this is related with the second heuristic. Um, the design should speak the user's language, use words, phrases, and concepts uh, that are familiar to users, rather than technical jargon. Uh, when a design controls um, follow real-world conventions and correspond to desired outcomes, it's easier for users to learn and remember how the interface works. This helps to build what we call uh, an intuitive interface. Here is an example. Uh, the new identity feature in the browser that uh, it's a feature that must clean all linkable identifiers and browser states when triggered. It helps to avoid long-term linkability. Um, new identity provide a more through unlinking of all a new activities than simply closing uh, and reopening the browser. 
users were closing and reopening the browser to reach the same clean, secure state expectation. So we wanted to highlight um, the future so more users can take advantage about that. While discussing with developers, I tried to change the question about the future. Instead of thinking about when users will need the new identity, I ask when users actually use new identity. If we trace a user journey map, and we will go into talk about that a little bit later, we can see how the need of a new identity is triggered by some specific situations defined by previous browsing activities. That not necessarily imply a new user, but sometimes I. Um, in other words, users with technical background relied on a new identity uh, when they want to clean back their previous activity and they want to make sure about that. During our user research, we quickly learned uh, that our target demographic did not understand uh, why they could want such a future. Often users ask us uh, what is the difference between asking a new circuit or a new identity or opening a new tab, even closing the browser. Users click on new identity when they want to clean all what they have been doing before, like sensible searching. We decided to move forward with um, an abstract concept that could encourage not expert users to click the button when they were worried about any tracing. After some iterations, uh, we went live with a com icon uh, and we exposed the icon in the toolbar for easy access. We will probably continue iterating this feature um, in upcoming releases. Another requirement for a usable software um, is that users should be able to figure out how to successfully perform these tasks. And heuristic can help on that. Um, the design should always keep users informed about what's going on um, with feedback given in a reasonable amount of time. When users know the current system status, um, they learn the outcome of the prior interactions and determine uh, next steps. These predictable interactions uh, create trust in the product. Also, users should not wonder uh, shouldn't have to wonder about different words, situations, or actions if they mean the same thing. Follow platforms and industry convention is what is the recommendation here. Um, filing to maintain consistency may increase uh, users' con cognitive load uh, by forcing them to learn something new. And this is an interesting project we worked last year and you know, the torn onions routine remains uh, as the best way to achieve end-to-end -end anonymous communication. With onion services, websites, administrations can provide users with anonymous connections uh, that are metadata-free. Onion services are also the few of the censorship circumvention technology that allows users to route around censorship, uh, protecting their privacy and identity. The challenge here uh, was to communicate security expectations about the current Onion site, and so users were aware about any security breach or leak. The question we, we made was, what is the best way to inform users when the site they are visiting uh, is not secure? During the first iteration of this padlock, we tried a figurative Onion icon at the URL bar, 
This caused uh, a lot of confusion around users. Some of them told us that it looked like a bomb. Um, Major browsers iterated the formerly green icon for secure SSL to gray, intending to dehempathize the default connection state, which is the secure one, uh, and putting more emphasis on broken and insecure connections. We understood that this is a benefit for the entire use base uh, if we deploy the same, the same experience, a familiar experience to users. So we have updated the browser security indicator um, colors to make it easier for users to understand when they were visiting a non-secure um, use uh, onion site by following uh, the ESSL approach. We also decided to use an abstract onion to help users identify onion services. Another requirement for a user interface um, talks about allowing users to don't make dangerous errors. Um, and this is related with, with some heuristics. Um, I think user control and freedom, uh, error prevention, and help users to recognize, diagnose, and recover from errors are the more close one. Uh, often users perform actions uh, by mistake. Um, users need an emergency exit to, to leave an unwanted action without having to go through the entire process again. Um, when people can manage the interface, it, it fosters a sense of freedom and confidence. Sometimes user mistakes are conscious errors based on a mismatch between the user's mental models and the design. We are going to talk about mental models a little bit later, uh, but also good error messages uh, are important to, to explain users in plain text and not jargon on what is going on in the interface. Another project related with Onion services that we launched with the browser NAN5 um, was the specific error page for Onion sites. When a web page fails to load, it can be due to any number of factors. But when a web page is served in, in an Onion service, some of these factors have greater implication in security. For experts, it was important to know if the feature is a failure uh, was related to a Maggle function in the local Tor instance or in the network level. So we decided that was a good opportunity for sharing educational points and for being more transparent with users, um, providing information about the kind of error they were experiencing. This is how the error page looks. Um, every icon shows a different layer of the connection and users can see We got a good opportunity here to share uh, educational points and for being more transparent with users, offering them information uh, about the error they were experiencing. Also, we provide uh, more informative error messages, um, indicating better if the issue was on service side uh, or client side or network side, and without being overwhelming nor patronizing, uh, but clear about the information we were spreading.
The last uh, requirement for a usable interface um, says that users should be sufficiently comfortable with interface to continue using it. Um, minimize the user's memory load by making elements and actions and options visible so the user don't have to remember information from one part of the interface to another uh, and also interfaces that promote recognitions reduce the amount of cognitive efforts required from users. Also, um, shortcuts might speed up the interaction for the expert users, um, such the design can work for both, for inexperienced and for experienced users. In Torbrosen 9.5, we release a user consent-based feature called Onion Location. Uh, in contrast with network security upgrades current status quo, uh, Onion Location allows users to opt in on first-time use um, to upgrade the current HTTP or HTTPS uh, current location to an Onion one if it's available. We decide to allow users to opt in because it was the first time promoting Onion services in the browser. That was a Windows opportunity for us uh, to inform users and to educate them about Onion services and also to help you discover um, Onion versions of their favorite sites. This empowered users to make an informed choice. Sharing information with users about the technology trade-off, uh, it's being transparent and accountable. Um, so we also expose these global preferences uh, and options for users who prefer to have uh, Onion connections every time that it's available for, by default. As we saw in these examples, uh, the main intention while designing usable security interfaces is matching users' mental models with what we offer as an interface to combine in an intuitive experience. The model is an explanation of someone's idea about how something works in the real world. It is a representation of the surrounding world. It's the relationship between its parts and a person's intuitive perception about their own acts um, and consequences. A mental model is a kind of internal symbol or representation of external reality. A mental model is what the user believes about the system at hand. Uh, they are not good or bad mental models, they are simply exist on people's minds. The gap between developers and users' mental models creates several conflicts. Users' mental models about security and privacy are distant from developers' ones. Even expert and non-expert have different mental models and expectations about the same tool when they want to achieve the same task. Here you can see some examples of drawings um, for kids illustrating what privacy and security represent for them. It's a very nice paper. I recommend you to watch it. So security, uh, designing for security is complex. Uh, we cannot take the naive path and expect to give users um, all-inclusive solutions to protect all their information. Instead, um, practicing a holistic uh, approach to security will allow us to understand users' contexts and mental models while, while doing web tasks. But how we can, under, uh, how we can understand users, or who, who we can foster empathy to match their mental models, or 
how we can validate our assumptions during each design iteration. The academia has been interested in TOR forever. I, I understand this is cool. Uh, some specific research on users and TOR has been written in the past, and we got the chance to work with the authors, mm, digesting the feedback, and um, planning what is the next iterations uh, in TOR Roser on that. But the representation of users in these papers is sad. For instance, m most of the papers are probing users in the States, and all of them uh, are users in the Global North. So we know that the 88% of users, um, uh, internet users are not in the United States. It's pretty clear that the representation of users in this academic research is deficient and biased. So I question myself that are white cis English speakers males the high risk users on the internet in the need of secure tools? We designed a user research program focused on what we call Global South. We built a digital security training program for partners in the Global South who are working on human rights uh, with minorities communities in each region. We incorporated user research uh, as part of our training by doing interviews, collecting user feedback, uh, running usability testing uh, of the tool we use. This program has reached over uh, 800 people in countries like Brazil, uh, Colombia, Mexico, Uganda, Kenya, uh, India, and Indonesia. The user research program uh, allows us to raise the voice of users with diverse needs of secure and private software. We, we were interested in learning uh, about the so-called the next billion users, but we found that our users are not the next billion. They are already online. During every trip, we run security trainings with local groups. Uh, we carry out the threat model exercise. Uh, it influences the content of its activity. We tailored courses uh, with different modules, which uh, we put together in the needs of the participants. Um, along with Tor Browser, we, we teach about other tools. For example, if we are talking with journalists, we talk with them about sharing sensitive information using Onionshare. These immersion trips um, have allowed us to learn about the end users, everyday experience with secure and private tools. We bought uh, the SIM cards, uh, we set the local ISPs, uh, we connected to the Wi-Fi's. We also ran usability testing in person over top browser for desktop and Android. It gave us uh, a first hand how what we were building um, it's serving people in different contexts with different technical understanding levels. Knowing our user realities um, help us to understand their context, to empathize with them, and consider solutions that meet their needs. Essentially, it's bridging the gap between developers, tools, and users. Architects and developers have been developing Tor for years without this kind of feedback uh, in hand, and the UX team developed different types of artifacts that enable us to share this experience with developers. One of them is personas. Um, we collected and mapped real user stories, identified the patterns across them, and created five personas uh, to help our teams understand 
who is going to use our tools and, and their needs? Personas are not real individuals. Personas are abstractions based on real stories. Personas give us a person to connect with, someone who has goals for using the tool, ensuring human-centered design. Personal helps us by fostering empathy, by creating a vision for who we are designing for, and also for helping us to understand mental models. How we create personas. Creative personas involves deciding on a user type, um, establish a, motivator, a motivation, a goal, um, give them a physical con a context and languages, like select an appropriate location and spoken languages, and also write a short bio about them, who they are, what is the background. For our specifics, we decide to include X information about these users, like a level of risk using a secure software, uh, a level of trust on Tor, a uh, level of technical proficiency while doing so. Also, we set the income levels and connectivity infrastructure using Unidata. We also equip them with devices. So this is an iterative, um, iterative process, and I think I'm going to present the first five personas. Um, you can see the most updated version on our website, but let's start this. So we have Chelani here. Um, Chelani is a human rights defender. Um, he published information related with LGBTQ plus community. Um, since he lives in Uganda, uh, he wants to minimize the risk of arrest uh, doing this in a country where these uh, kind of actions are criminalized. You can see here how the risk level of Chelani is high, uh, the trust on Tor software is low, uh, and also how Tor is partially blocked um, in the country he lives. Alicia is the privacy seeker. Uh, it's facing domestic violence from her husband and she's looking for a safe way to seek help. So here the situation is quite different. Uh, Alicia wants to find help and support for her situation without leaving local bros in rising. Um, also, Tor is completely um, blocked in Russia um, and also the risk level is moderated and the bandwidth is very high. Then we have Fernanda, uh, the feminist activist. She wants to publish information online without the fear of surveillance and arrest. Um, she wants to use Tor Browser for published information and to access to average material on prescribed topics without fears of arrest or surveillance. Tourist unrestricted in Colombia, um, the bandwidth is average, um, and also she, she has um, Android devices and Windows computers, um, so this is a specific use case. The next persona is Fatima. Um, she is the sensor user and is looking for a way to circumvent censorship safely so she can do a political research online. Um, where she lives in Egypt, or it's completely blocked. Um, she speaks Arabic and English. Uh, the trust level on the tool is very high, uh, but, but the risk level also is also high. Um, she wants to bypass censorship to conduct political research, uh, minimizing the risk of discovery and arrest. 
And finally, we have Alex, uh, the fearless journalist uh, who wants to chat and receive information securely without compromising the sources. Alex uh, lives in a country where Tor is unrestricted. Um, they use um, Apple devices and uh, they trust in the tool because they have some technical um, background and the risk level is quite low. Um, and also he, he wants to be able to browse and chat and receive links um, securely without compromising sources. So after uh, defining our proto-personas, uh, we started organizing real narrative into user stories to extrapolate the pain points during the user's journey. User stories are uh, a simple way to briefly describe a future uh, from a user perspective. Focusing on what the user wants uh, and what they, how the future can help. So they, it's, a, it's an easy way to condense technical requirements in a human task. It usually has an structure like this, uh, where you start with I want to and you end with so I can. So for example, um, our users want to find the official website for the browser so they can learn about the browser. We wanted to understand how users interact during the entire flow uh, of discovering, finding, installing, connecting, and browsing with the browser. This is called user journey. We paste our personas, user stories, into the finite user journey and we map where the pain point emerges. So we have a kind of wave here of the experience between the user journey. So framing the use of our uh, software inside real user need ensures us um, our process to have a human-centered lens during the development phase. The user research program uh, is not the only source of feedback. Uh, we rely on multiple sources to document our development, ensuring having users' needs in the center of the process. Our metrics portal informs us when a spike of user is happening in some country. Uh, it probably occurs because a political or media event has made changes in the local internet. David Fiefel found a great example here. Uh, you, you might look at the graph and ask, why did the number of Tor users in, in Sri Lanka increase for a week in 2018? And checking the timeline, uh, we found that at that time there was a block on Facebook and other services. So likely the explanation is, um, for the increase of users is that people were using Tor to access to blocked services. Also monthly, the community team informs what users are reporting and the current issues they are facing from different platforms and operating systems. Goose is leading those efforts and it's extremely relevant um, to inform iterations on, on the platforms. The, next, uh, the last version of the browser includes a user survey. Uh, you can help us by filling in today. It's, um, a way to collect quantitative information about um, users without tracing them. Our last outreaching intern worked on something called Anon-Ticket. Uh, this is an anonymous, anonymous ticket system for our bug and development, development tracker um, GitLab. It's a very nice project. 
So diversifying user research uh, methods ensures more reliable, valid insights by considering multiple ways of collecting and interpreting data. So how we design a usable interface by practicing human-centered design um, with a holistic approach to privacy and security? What is the role of the designer here? Don Norman published The Psychology of Everyday Things in 1988. Um, this is a core reading for design students all over the world. He popularized the term uh, user-centered design to emerge the user needs uh, in the design of usable and affordable designs. Along with Papanek, who wrote Design for the Real World, uh, they seem to be somehow sensible, privileged, famous white men designing designers talking about users and design and how their needs are important. Last year, I, I got the chance um, to listen Norman um, talking about what for me is the best writing in his career. In his career, um, at his 85 years old, he realized that after years of working in the field and trying to be the expert in the room, the best impact designers could do in the world is provide people with the tools to design for themselves because nobody knows the problem uh, more than the affected community. More recently, we got better authors uh, writing about the role of the designer in the world. Uh, the role of the designer as a facilitator was framed uh, by Sasha Constantashok in The Handful Design Justice. Um, she claims that prioritizing real user needs within product development is social justice. Uh, I find it so bright. Um, the role of the designer as a bridge enables synergial collaboration between different stakeholders in an open uh, ecosystem like we have in the project. And also it enables what we practice as open design. Our open design process connects the different teams at the project with users. Um, we also provide uh, we aim to provide teams with different design artifacts that allow us to discuss what is the best approach for this challenge. The way we work defines the product we build. Kim Crichton uh, clearly shared during the last IETF Public Interest Technology Group meeting something which frames for me very nicely our approach to shipping product. Tech is not neutral nor apolitical. Um, she argues that the history of the internet has been decided by the privileges and she asks what are the defaults if are decided by the privileges. So in fact, historically, corporate interests are structurally prioritized uh, over the interests of the end users. Um, in the design and also in the maintenance of the internet infrastructure. So creating technology that respects users is a design decision. So the user research program and the community feedback and usability test revealed that browser core functionalities were perceived as um, inconsistent and the browser was perceived as a very, te very technical tool um, per se super difficult to use. 
We developed efforts uh, to improve the usability of Tor Browser for end users to increase their adoption, and we approach core um, security features to be intuitive for everyone, prioritizing non-technical users. After mapping our user journeys during uh, our persona to development, like I showed before, uh, we work on minimize users' pain point by prioritizing bug fixing, um, providing users clear information about what was happening uh, while using the browser and the Tor network. In the browser uh, 8.0, we launched a new user onboarding to help explain how the browser works. We saw in a series of steps uh, that can give a new user an overview of why Tor Browser is private and which are the trade-offs using it. The H.5 release marked an important milestone on bringing um, Tor to mobile. The people we meet in our research primarily use mobile uh, devices to connect to the internet. So, this was necessary step um, to expand access to people who need Tor most. Based on that, we created Tor Browser for Android uh, back in May 2019, and so far we have almost 10 million installs. Um, this is the last brand version, new brand version. Um, the user research program helped us to validate uh, each iteration with real users in the reality scenarios um, and to improve in every release. So this is just uh, just a snapshot of what we improved in the browser over the last two years. Uh, the search for the perfect browser that balances usability, security and privacy without compromising users safely never ends. And also design is an iterative process. Maintaining uh, a browser for a nonprofit like the Tor Project is challenging, but super rewarding. And keeping activists, journalists, lawyers, human, human rights defenders, and internet citizens with a private and secure option while browsing internet, it's enormous. Uh, if you want to collaborate with the project, you can donate. Um, you can work with any of our teams. Uh, you can complete our user survey or install the browser in your favorite device and let us know how it goes. Thank you. And I think we have some time now for some questions. Hi. Anyway. Hello again, everyone. Uh, we are back. Thanks a lot, uh, Antonella, for the wonderful presentation. And uh, we are starting uh, the Q&A session. Uh, you, you can still ask questions in uh, the IRC room if you want for a few minutes. So uh, let's start with the question that uh, said you are focusing the Tor browser. Are you also helping other projects to use the Tor network? Uh, that is a very nice question. Uh, we aim to help uh, cross team inside the project. We are in a small team, so we wear a lot of hats. Um, for instance, we really want to improve the developer experience on embedding Tor into CD Party apps. Uh, so this is something that we are putting some efforts on. Um, so yeah, we try to, yes. 
Very nice. So another question uh, was asked about the Onion security indicator and uh, did you get any complaint about that from colorblind users? Wow, that is a nice question. Um, we should do an accessibility, um, I think, check on Tor Browser. There are a lot of things that need attention. I don't remember top of my hand uh, or top of my, of my mind any specific question about this, but um, probably we should give support if that is a problem. Actually, the Onion Security Indicator right now, um, the secure version is gray, like the current SSL um, approach on regular browsers, um, but the red uh, strike line, it's so um, small to notice some kind of issue. So yeah. Um, I, I don't remember right now, uh, but if you if this person have have some complaint, please uh, file a ticket or ping me directly so we can raise this concern. Yes, and uh, it's actually a very serious issue and the one that's often neglected, the accessibility design of many web applications and uh, normal app, uh, desktop applications. And yeah. I think it's uh, very interesting. Yes, it is. Uh, so another question is, uh, but I think this uh, was asked a bit uh, about, uh, it was answered in a way about uh, examples of uh, user types uh, when considering personas. But uh, if you want to add something more, but I think this was uh, thoroughly covered. Yeah, uh, I think when, I don't, I don't know exactly what is the question about, I mean, what is referring on the user type, but specifically each persona wants to render some goal and motivation. So we have this kind of intention uh, in mind when deciding how to approach a technical uh, problem. I think it's it's very cool if you can go directly to the URL and see our our personas online. You can see that in community.project.org slash user research. Uh, personas are, um, a document there, a living document, because we are iterating them. Um, so yeah, you can you can see the um, different the user types. Um, yeah. So another question was uh, if you did use any services from OTF's uh, usability lab here from Simply Secure. Yes, uh, in the past we we have been working with the OTF security uh, usability lab. We are super close with Simply Secure, also with Ura Design, um, um, also with Oxthanks. So all the providers in the OTF uh, usability lab have been working with us, uh, and we have been working together in a lot of projects. Um, it's critical for the ecosystem that OTF is running again. The usability lab in OTF, uh, it's open for call again. So if you have a project that needs um, usability uh, improvements and small projects or large projects, don't uh, mind to apply to OTF because all the providers there are at top level and, and we have been working hand, and hand, hand by hand in, in a lot of improvements here. This is not my work. It's like years of people trying to put in effort um, on having a usable um, software for, for the browser. So yeah, and, and we are super happy about the situation of OTF right now because uh, things seems to be 
running again. Uh, so please, if you have a project, don't mind to apply because there are a lot of talent designers uh, working there and friends also. Yeah. Very nice. Uh, another question is uh, this one that asks, if you have considered personas that uh, were expressly interested in criminal and the disambiguation also immoral activity? Um, what a question. I mean, something criminal in one country is not criminal in another country. Something immoral for you, it's not immoral for me. So we um, are not encouraging any illegal activity uh, so we are not highlighting these kind of things but um i don't know we, we are for example we are highlighting circumvention and this is complicated in some countries uh, but we know that the access to information it's a human right and the access of um, of a private access to internet is a human right so we really believe uh, on this and we are highlighting this use case in our persona. So I don't know, it's a question, it's a tricky question about the technology and the social issue and technology doesn't fit that. So uh, yeah, yes, I don't know if I'm answering the question is it's more true. No, and uh, what I also understand is that it's very hard to solve the social issues with technology. Exactly. But uh, so another question is, uh, would you help a library to uh, move to use the Tor network as their transport network? I don't know what is library, honestly, sorry for that, but uh, I will raise this question to the network team so they can work on that. Um, I think it could be cool, maybe. Uh, I don't know what library is, but... Uh, I'm sure if the person who made this question uh, can raise this um, concern or question on, on our mailing list, uh, I think it will be better. And I think, yes, maybe uh, someone more technical maybe can answer this question, uh, someone from the network team. But yeah, that could be cool, maybe, yeah. Okay, so a last uh, question is, uh, what technique uh, would you recommend when using a VPN and Tor for better security? VPN first, then Tor, or Tor first, then VPN? <laughs> I will uh, not answer this question because you can Google that in internet and you have different uh, scenarios uh, depending on what you want to do with a VPN and what you want to do with Tor and what is your specific NAT situation. Um, there is an article in our support page uh, called Tor and BBM, so you can read that and have all the options. Um, I think people here, it's technical enough to know what is the difference between the VPN and Tor. Uh, the VPN has like a one point of uh, failure or trust, depends on the point of view that you have. Um, using the Tor network, you have a distributed um, trust. So, if you put the VPN before or after, I think it's depending on your use case and the situation in your local connection. Uh, and I will not answer that as a magic receipt because I don't think it's fair <laughs> to do that. <laughs> so I think uh, that's all uh, for this presentation. Uh, thank you very much again. Thank uh, you. And uh, see you at the next presentations. You can still communicate at the IRC channels. I don't know if you have some more questions. Maybe you can catch up there.
Yeah, sure. Thank you so much uh, for the space and thank you to Libre Planet for, for giving us this space.